We're in 2 Timothy, verse 10, chapter 1. But now has been revealed, the gospel he's talking about, the plan of salvation, has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality through the light or the truth of the gospel. So God's plan has been revealed to mankind by our Savior. He's completed and revealed the full plan. He takes on humanity, the incarnation, the sinless one, not having any sin in his nature, no original sin. He accomplished all of God's plan for man's redemption. And basically the tools were going to be grace and faith. He had to do all of this as a perfect sacrifice, as a perfect man before he could sacrifice himself. So he had to live a life. And as he said, I always obey the Father. But even though he did not have the original sin, he could be tempted and he could have failed. And he was tempted greatly by the devil. And he overcame him in the 40 days. And then he came down, the scripture said, in the power of the Spirit. He was baptized by the Holy Spirit as a man. He did not use his divinity. He couldn't. So when he took on the human nature, Philippians says he emptied himself and took on the form of a servant, of a man. And so he, whatever his position was as God, he had to limit it, and he could not use that. It was laid aside. But it appears the devil we tried to provoke him to use it, so he may have, he had the ability. So when he was starving after 40 days, uh, one of the greater temptations, uh, the devil said, if you're the son of God, which he knew he was, prove it. He said, make these round stones here in the wilderness, make them bread and eat. But Jesus, knowing he could do it, it was the temptation, and he was starving. But he had gotten a command from the father to fast, and the father may not have told him how long. It may have been like Abraham. Abraham was prepared and expected Isaac to be given up as a sacrifice. So we don't know what the man Jesus was told. He may have had the determination that I'll starve to death, and God will raise me up, but I'm not going to eat because it would have been disobeying the command of the Father. And that's what the devil was trying to get him to do. And he passed all of these tests. So when he defeated the devil up in the temptation, the devil is the master of all the corrupt angels, has power over them. So when he came down, one of the first miracles he did was casting out demons. All the lesser demons had to obey him because their master had been defeated. So there's things about the spirit realm that we can assume, but we cannot always clarify exactly what's going on. So he took on man's nature to bear the life and become the sacrifice to be mediator. He is even now, until he returns in his body, he is acting as the mediator and assessor. And Hebrews says the man Jesus. So he's still using his manhood, his humanity. When he ascended and took on his glory and returned to the Godhead, he still has 
his body, his humanity. So he makes a great intercessor for God's side and for man's side. Okay, And so he destroyed by his death and resurrection, the resurrection, it said, by the power of holiness, that was the proof that he was the Son of God because he could not have been resurrected if there was sin in him. Death could not hold him because he was perfect and obeyed the Father. And so the resurrection uh, was to basically prove that, Death could not hold him. So he defeated death, its principle, its power. He destroys the power of death and sin, and he appeased God's wrath. Uh, God has wrath because of his holiness and justice. He has not changed that way. What sins are not forgiven, what people do not come to the Lord and serve him, they abide under the wrath, the displeasure and the anger of God. So people often, they think of Jesus because they're lied to by a lot of false shepherds. He's just a real nice person, and God forgives everything, and he overlooks it. Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture says man shall answer for every idle word, especially the wicked. So whatever is not forgiven by the high priest, and we don't have life in him, his wrath is going to come against their sins. So, for God so loved the world, this is goodwill, benevolence. Doesn't speak so much. It's a minor thing, emotions and affection. That is not the foundation of God's love. And he says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son to redeem him. But he said, those who don't receive the message, those who won't hear it, the wrath of God remains on them. That's God's hatred and displeasure of sin. And if the sinner becomes evil enough, Psalm says he despises and hates the soul of the wicked. So people have misinterpreted Scripture, and they will answer at the day of judgment, and the Christian is saved from the wrath of God through Christ Jesus. Having him as our Lord and our high priest, he covers and removes the sin in our life as we walk in the Lord. So through this, he legally dealt with the devil. The devil was judged on the cross. When he said it's finished and gave up his spirit, uh, gave up his human spirit, he said it's finished. The devil knew he was defeated then. His sentence and judgment will not be carried out until he's cast into the lake of fire at the final judgments at the end time, after the millennium. Uh-huh. But he knows now it's a downhill thing. It's been accomplished by God. And the demons know that. See, they know these things. And when Jesus was casting demons out, they yelled at him and said, what have you come to torment us before the time? They know there's a point at time that they'll be cast into the lake of fire and be tormented as their punishment for everlasting time. And so they're aware of that what's going to happen. And so he defeated them at the cross when he gave up his life, when he obeyed the Father, when there was no sin in him, and he paid the price for mankind's sinfulness. He took all that upon himself, and God accepted it and resurrected him as proof of who he was, the sinless one. Okay, So he brings eternal life and immortality and as we 
live in him, and as we die faithful in him, then he makes us as the angels. Jesus will be as the angels. There as God is, they're perfect beings, the holy beings, the never said, the very brilliant, they're far exceeding the human in their capacities. But they're called holy angels, elect angels. They were elected because they elected to stay with the Lord when one third of them were cast out and sided with Lucifer. They elected to stay. Okay. So the gospel of good news gives light or truth of God's word, the gospel. Okay. So this is what Jesus brings us and what his plans are and what God wants to accomplish. Now, if we go to Matthew 28, the gospel is not just salvation. Many people think they're preaching salvation. That's the It's not. That's the beginning. That's why there's so many false gospels out there. They think you can say this prayer, and that's it. The scripture talks about it being a race, a pilgrimage, a warfare. This is a continuance. So when a person turns to the Lord, repents, and confesses Jesus, and to repent means he turns from gross sin, knowledgeable sins. So many people confess Jesus, and they don't stop their gross sins. So they're not born again. And as Jesus will say to the multitudes, most professing Christians, I never knew you. So you were never generated. But they believe he's the Lord. He died on a cross, and he raised again. So that's not sufficient. So we enter the race, but we have to finish the race. We begin the pilgrimage, and we have to complete the probation. We've entered warfare. We've made the devil, the world, and the flesh our enemy when we side with the Lord. And we have to overcome them through our life. So the people don't like that gospel. They want something easy and simple. Well, it isn't that easy and simple. The way is narrow and few there be that find it. Uh And it's difficult only for those who will not obey and sin against God. Then it's a hard way. Uh But Jesus said, "Uh, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. So as we follow him, he gives us the ability, the grace to do his will. And Paul said he will not allow us to be tempted more than we're able. That only applies to those walking in the Spirit. A Christian walks in the flesh and is disobeying God. That scripture don't apply to him. He forfeits many things. He can lose his fellowship and relationship with the Lord. And then the branch is cut off from Christ that does not bear the fruitfulness, does not submit to the Lord and do the will of God in Christ. Okay, But Matthew 28, verse 18 Then Jesus came and spoke to them, that's the disciples, after his resurrection and everything. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, because he's the God-man. He got it as the Son of Man, and when he ascended and the glory of God returned to him, and he's one with the Father, everything's under his power, okay? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. All things. He didn't say give people five scriptures of how to get saved. There are no such things. 
That just gets a person in. When they believe the gospel, repent and confess Jesus, they believe that in their heart. Their confession is not just mental assent. They're confessing something that happened. Nowadays, everybody just gives lip service and they tell them they're Christians. And there's been no change. And the Holy Spirit's not convicted or disturbed or regenerated. So that's the multitude of people who claim to be Christians. They never were. And the Lord will say, you're workers of lawlessness. You don't submit to me. I'm not your Lord. And as we've said many times, he told the new disciples and those who follow him, why call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I command you? So he's not interested in lip service without working it out, without doing it and putting it into practice. Otherwise, it's mere mental assent it's the doctrines, and the devils believe the doctrine of who Christ is, but it does not save them, and it cannot save them. Okay, So all of the gospel includes not only the gospel, the complete is the epistles. Jesus implied the epistles are greater than the gospels because they complete it. He said, there are many things I cannot tell you now, but when the Spirit comes, he'll guide you into all truth. And that was after the poor Spirit poured himself out at Pentecost and entered the Christian. Then he said it was a greater time. He said, it's greater for you that I go away because if I don't go away, and he's talking in his physical humanity, he said, I'm with you, but I can't be in you. But when he gave up his life and returned to the Godhead, his glory given to him, he enters the Christian. He's the Spirit of Christ. He is the Holy Spirit and one with the Father. People have a hard time separating because there's one God and he's revealed in three personality, but there's still one God. And the God that created the earth and the stars, it was Jesus Christ as the Word of God, the term Son of God, and so that's a human term. He was never the Son of God in the way we think. He was one with God. The Bible says the worlds were created by him and for him. He said, before the world was, he said, the Father loved me. So there is some kind of communication between the one God. In the Old Testament, the term of God is often interpreted in the plural. So when he said, let us make man, he wasn't talking about angels. He was talking about the Godhead, okay? So all of the Gospels summed up in the epistles, we are to be saved. We are to stay saved by proving our loyalty to Christ. We have to overcome the flesh, the world, and the devil in this pilgrimage, we're under probation to prove our faithfulness. We begin the race, we run the race, and we have to finish. And Paul, this is the last epistle he wrote. He knew his time was coming, and he did speak then as if it was done. He said, I've run the race and finished it, because the Lord had basically told him what was going to happen. Uh -huh. And so he knew a crown was laid up for him, and he had fought the warfare, and he stayed faithful to the Lord. Go to Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. And these will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. 
for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Well, we hear much about the call. Many are called. The gospel calls people to repent and believe, to turn their back on the world and the devil and serve the Lord. They're not in a vacuum. We're slaves of somebody. We're slaves of the devil and the flesh, or we're slaves of the Lord. Paul made that plain in Romans and Scripture when he said, when the Christian slave, he said, obey your masters, but before the Lord, you're free. It means God regulates your life and he can alter things. And he said to the Christian that wasn't a slave and to the masters that owned slave, he says, you're a slave. You're bound to obey me. So we are sons of the Lord and daughters, but we are servants and slaves. That has not changed. As Paul said, you are not your own. You're bought with the price. Well, people don't understand that in our modern independence, but they understood that more during the Roman world because there were so many slaves. And it's believes one-fourth of the Christians at Paul's time were under slavery in the Roman Empire. Okay, So the gospel call is to repent and believe. The Spirit pours out conviction and disturbs them through the preaching of the gospel. And they respond or they don't respond. But the chosen, this is the chosen. Why are they chosen? Because they respond to the call. The angels, the elect angels are chosen. They chose to stay. It isn't like God planned this before they were born. That's a bunch of baloney. Uh-uh. They're chosen because they chose to stay with the Lord and after they repented. They're Christians then. They're in right standing. But it doesn't end there. People think that's enough. But then it says the faithful. The Christian has to be loyal to Christ to the end of his life. He must overcome and stay with Christ. He has to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. The seven churches of Revelation, each one of them spoken to the Christians. And of course, there were backsliders and false Christians in the groups. And he addresses all of them. And he said, after he gives each one their positive word or a negative word, he said, he that overcomes, I will give this and this and this. He didn't say they'd already overcome. When John says we've overcome, he means in the present. You're walking in the spirit and obeying the Lord, so you're overcoming. But it's not permanent for the future. It's not guaranteed if you do not stay with the Lord. The branch that refuses to bear fruit that God requires, eventually the branch is cut off from Christ. His grace was given in vain. Paul warned about this. So the Christian has to be faithful under his probation, under his testing, and God gives what's needed, the spiritual warfares. We are inexcusable if we don't stay with the Lord. It means we choose to go back to the world and its pleasures, and the self-life. And because we have the potential of the old man always there, we have to keep him under. He does not have complete control of us. He tempts us, and the devils and demons use the old man to draw us into temptation. We are drawn away of our own desires and lust, 
And as a Christian, we put it under. We have to keep it under. We put it to death. We put it off. Paul often used that, put on Christ and put off the old. So the will of the Christian has the responsibility to yield to the Lord or not yield. It's never taken from that person. We are people. We have a soul and a spirit. The body and soul and the spirit all joined together. They're basically not separated. So it's the person that ultimately goes to heaven or hell, and that's the spirit soul. It is that one goes one way and one goes the other. It don't work that way. That's what makes us a man is the spirit, soul, and body. And Paul warns us and tells us, present your spirit, soul, and body to the Lord to be sanctified. So he's saying the Christian has the ability to do this or not to do this. So this gospel that he's bringing, this good news, this plan, he now tells us in verse 11, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. Well, basically, he had all five-fold ministries, but he's emphasizing why he was called the main purpose. He's apostle of the Gentile. He had a unique ministry All the other apostles basically at first stayed with the Jews. Six and eight years or so before Cornelius, they only preached the gospel to Jews. Uh And then Peter opened the door. He had the keys of the kingdom. He was the first to preach to the Jews at Pentecost, and he was the first to preach to the Gentiles. He was not a pope. He was a foremost speaker when the apostles were together. But it seems like the half-brother of Jesus often was the leader of the Jerusalem church and the administrator, and you find Peter reporting to him. He didn't consider himself the leader of everybody. And even Jesus warned him, you shall not have authority over each other like the world does. So he, he dealt with that. Okay, so all the fivefold ministry. So he was an apostle to the Gentiles, See, the Jews did not understand, they could not understand that God was going to redeem the world. They thought it was just the Jews, Jesus, that the Messiah was coming to save and overthrow the world because they missed out by not being faithful. They could not interpret scripture properly. And Jesus said, but when the spirit comes, he'll show you these things. So they couldn't understand it, even the disciples They weren't even thinking about the Gentiles coming into the kingdom, okay? And so he did this, and he was called to be a preacher. That means to proclaim and exhort and to stir up by the means of giving the gospel. If he preaches and proclaims it, and he's in the Spirit, and the Lord's helping him, then the Spirit uses his words to convict and disturb the conscience of the sinner and show them uh, their sin and how bad they are, and then shows them a way out. That's what the gospel does. It must convict and disturb them to show them they have need of a Savior or they won't come. But the majority of people that hear, the majority of people uh, from the time of the apostles to now reject the gospel when it's given to them. And it's given to them and inspired by the Holy Spirit. But he don't force his will on people. They have to yield and accept 
the valuation of God. And if they don't, then we see what happens to them later. The apostle, he's a pioneer, a special messenger. He's to lay foundations for the body of Christ. Uh, to start the local, we call church, it's the body of Christ. It's not a building, an institution. There's only one church, and that's true Christians when they choose to gather together. Uh, and so uh, he uh, lays the foundation of how they're to live and what they're to do, the privileges they have, and the consequences if they do not stay with the Lord. So that's what the apostle does, okay? But then the teacher, as we've said before, the teacher, everything is based on instruction and commands and the will of God, and it's revealed by teaching. Under the old covenant, the priests were to do that. And when they got out of line and failed to do their duties, God raised up the prophets to straighten them out and deal with them. The prophetic ministry overrode the law when it was necessary. When people were living right, the Jews, they had to obey the principles of the law. But when they didn't and they got too far, then the prophet came on the scene to deal with things. Okay, So they lay sound instruction. They give the whole word of God. Paul, in one area, was speaking. He stayed for three years, and he told the church, the body of Christ, he said, I've warned you day and night with tears. Who's he talking to? Wasn't talking to sinners. He's talking to Christians. He gave them all the gospel and how it meant to stay with him and stay with the gospel. And some did not. And he knew they had the will and choices to go back into the world and live their own life or to follow the Lord. And many went back under persecution or they missed their sins, and they missed the living their own life. They didn't want to be a servant. And he has the right. The individual can exercise his will and make decisions, whether they're a sinner or a saint. They're capable of doing that. And so with these ministries that Paul had, he was given the gifts and graces to do them. All the fivefold ministry, as we said often, apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors or overseers and teachers, they all have to be teachers or they have no business proclaiming the gospel. Uh All mature Christians that don't have public ministry, they should be able to sit down with someone, a Christian or a sinner, and explain the gospel and answer questions or they're not mature enough to be in a certain position. Okay, That's what he's telling them. And God's gospel and word to us, be ready to give an answer of the hope that is in you. So as their neighbors and friends saw their form of religion and saw they were good people and they did good to people and they seemed to be joyful in their situation, they wanted to ask, how how do you do that? And the Christian tells them what the gospel is And he also tells them what? He knows Christ in you is the hope of glory. So the Christian, no matter his state in the world, he knew he had everlasting, eternal joy waiting for him. So it gave him hope in all of his tribulations and all of his afflictions. And the pagan world didn't have this. With many of their gods and idols, many of them were cruel and mean, and they were afraid, but they had to serve them 
or they had no promises of eternal life. So they would ask questions, and some of them would be converted to the gospel. For this reason, what reason? The preaching of the good news to sinners, what I'm called to do, he said, I suffer these things. So he's in prison when he's writing this. The Roman government has basically determined to come against him, and ultimately they would kill him, and he would be martyred under Nero's reign. But they had already, the Judaizers and other people had stirred the Romans up against them too, and they wanted to get rid of Paul, okay? And so he understood something that was happening, and obviously the Lord informed him of things. It wasn't a surprise to him. So he said, I suffer what? Being in prison and afflicted and restrained, and I cannot get out and preach the gospel like I'd like to, because I'm a prisoner. For I know, though, he said, whom I have believed. He believed in Christ, the Son of God, the Lord himself, okay? And he said, I'm convinced. I have the faith that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day, until the day that he's put to death and resurrected, he trusts God to guide him, and the Lord had told him after a time in prison that he was going to put off his tent, that he was going to be killed and be a martyr. So all were not called to be martyrs, but Paul understood his. He said, we apostles have to bear much. The, the average Christian doesn't. He said, the world considers us scum and a spectacle. He said, but we suffer things for the body of Christ. They're the pioneer. So the foremost of them, the world hated them more than the average Christian. And they sought uh, to go after their leaders sometime when they were under persecution. Okay. So men as a whole, they love darkness, sin, the pleasures of sin. And they do not want the truth or the light. They want to be left alone. They don't want to be convicted and disturbed. They don't want their conscience bothering them. The world of sinner hates truth that bothers them, disturbs their conscience and their lifestyle. But they can choose God, but they don't want to. So they're not made that way. Oh, they have the corrupt nature. God never judges a person and sends them to hell because they're born with original sin. He judges them for not obeying their conscience and not trusting in his grace under whatever covenant they're under. And he gives them help to overcome. So he holds them responsible by the actions of their willful sin and lifestyle. He doesn't hold them responsible for their temptations. It's if they yield to those temptations. So we continue that people can choose, and they're not judged basically by their original sin. It's by not yielding to God and getting grace to overcome this wicked nature, which they have responsibilities to do. Now go to 2 Corinthians, 2nd chapter, verse 15 and 16. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death to death, and to the other life to life. 
So what is he saying? When the gospel is preached, and we proclaim life and death, most people reject it. So the gospel preaches death to them, does not offer them because they reject it. It cannot give them life, and it confirms their sinners, and they're convicted and disturbed and more responsible to God. And that's why most of them reject the gospel and they hate the messenger. So there was no thing of popular preachers during Rome's time. Uh, Popular preachers today uh, are false shepherds often. They don't preach the truth. They appease people and tell them what they want to hear. But the day of judgment shall reveal things. So most reject the gospel and hate the messenger. And that's why Paul said, I'm suffering now and will suffer tribulation and persecution as one speaks the truth. So when he's talking to Timothy, he's preparing him. Timothy is already a minister, a preacher, evangelist. It's believed that he'll take over as an apostolic minister when Paul's gone, okay? So Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. He believed in God's will, and he was assured that God would give him grace either to escape, as he did before, or die for the Lord. So he knew it was in God's hand, and he was willing to accept this. Uh So God uh, was awaiting, uh, he was waiting in his boldness for the day of the Lord. He knew the resurrection would come, and he would be a part of it. Uh The resurrection of the saints is what? The Bible says it's the hope of glory. Paul was always saying he had a desire to depart, but it's more needful. He said, you I stay, and the longer we stay as a Christian, we lay out more treasure in heaven, and we are rewarded for the things we do in the Lord. So the longer we stay, the more effective we are to God's ministry and to others. So it should be God's time for the Christian when he tells us he's ready. Many times, Paul, under his persecution, affliction, he'd probably want to sleep that night and go be with the Lord. But he understood the human nature, and he understood he had a separate will, but he had to yield it to the Father to do what the Lord wanted, because he is a master. So most of the sufferings of the fivefold ministry, they were public ministries. They got more affliction, more problems, because they're in the eye of the world and society more than the average Christian. Let's take a break here.